Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. See, our desire for you as a church is for you to have healthy, strong families and relationships that are established in faith. And so this month, we're sharing a collection of teaching. Today's the first installation of that collection of teaching. And over the next three weeks, I'm gonna be hitting, I'm gonna be hitting the ball. Hopefully at least I get singles, maybe a few doubles, triple, maybe a home run. But I know for a fact uh, that throughout this series that God is taking us somewhere. And here's what you need to know. Because God is taking us somewhere, it's important that you show up and allow him to take you where he's wanting to lead you. Amen? So I'll just give this invitation to you this morning. It's important for you to show up and put your face in the place and to be here present with us each Sunday throughout these collection of teachings. Um, This Sunday... I'm sharing about how you matter to your Heavenly Father. Next week, I'm going to share about how your family matters. And on the third week, I'm going to share about how your church family matters. I'm going to be hitting base hits. I know that for a fact. And I know that uh, our guest minister for our Embrace Marriage uh, Conference, uh, Pastor Randy and Nancy Carter, they're going to come in and they're going to hit a grand slam. Uh, So that's going to be on February the 26th, the culmination of this collection of teachings. So make sure that you're here. How many of you have um, ever like watched the first of a movie, like part one, and then you caught like part four or five and you're like, I I have no idea how we got here. I'm not too sure. Uh, I'm confused right now. And so that's why you need to be here uh, for all of these teachings uh, throughout the month of February. So you're here this morning. God is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. So he's got something special uh, for your life today. And I want you to, um, and just a reminder, for that Embrace Marriage Conference on the 26th, I want you to go ahead and sign up for that. I think that we have a slide maybe that we can show you. Um, just give a moment to that. There's a QR code there. And uh, those of you that are watching online, you can click on the link there and sign up for that. $60 per couple. We try to make it super affordable. We've just been covering our basic uh, expenses with that. And so uh, please sign up. Me and my wife will be there. It's going to be a great time. Pastors are going to be there. Uh, so just encourage you to, to be a part of that. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, penned these words to the church of Ephesus. So, <laughs> that means for this reason, and that's why I put it in parentheses. I'm going to break that down here for you in just a minute. So I kneel humbly in all before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father. Somebody say the perfect Father. Of every father and every child in heaven and on earth. And then the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of the Lord, begins to pray, and he prays this beautiful prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit, 
in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you receive that this morning? You receive that? I receive that, Jesus. And I added verse 20 and 21, although it's not a part of his prayer. I just love how he concludes this prayer with a proclamation of praise and thanks to God. It says, Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably, the King James Version says, exceedingly, more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. It's not by might, it's not by my power, but it's by his spirit. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to share with you uh, from this subject this morning, the title of my text is, You Matter to Your Heavenly Father. You Matter to your heavenly Father. Would you join your hearts with me as we pray over this time in his word this morning? Father, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you've afforded us in this moment, Lord, to gather around your word, to hear what you would have to say. Father, we've not come into this moment, Lord, to sing a song or attend a service or to hear a sermon. But Lord, we've come into this moment to hear from heaven to hear what thus saith the Lord. I stand, Lord, in this moment as your servant, and I pray, Lord, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that, Jesus, you would reveal yourself to your people. Only you can do it. I think of that promise, Lord, that you've made, that instruction that you gave in Matthew chapter 11, when you said, no one knows the Son, except for the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus, by your Spirit, be revealed in our midst, Lord, today. We thank you for your presence, Lord, that we sense in this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lane. Um, how many know parenting is a trip? And um, it's the greatest, parenting is like the greatest blessing that you could ever be afforded. I mean, our children are a blessing, but parenting is sometimes a trip. How many parents do I got out here in this place today, right? Pray for these people, somebody. And uh, the reality is that our children have a lot to teach us. Have you ever noticed that our children teach us about ourselves? But they also teach us a lot about God. If you'll listen, if you'll pay attention, God will teach you a lot about himself through your children. 
My children are no exception. They are constantly teaching me more about myself and about God. And uh, if you haven't, if you don't know, or if you don't remember, um, I have a daughter, Ava. She's 10 years old. She's in fourth grade. So, uh, and I have a son. His name's Anthony. He's four years old. So we would appreciate your prayers. My daughter, she loves Jesus. Anthony, I don't believe he's saved yet. There's a lot of sin there. He's a good boy, but pray for him. Um, anyway, he's, my son Anthony is in this phase of his life where everything is like, Daddy, Daddy, watch me. Watch me. Daddy, watch me. How many parents ever been there before? And it can be like riding his bike. It can be jumping off, his, off the couch, like his mom doesn't like that, but like jumping off the couch. It could be like spinning around in a circle until he's like absolutely like ready to fall out, pass out. The newest thing that he's been doing lately is that he'll eat his um, meal, his breakfast, his lunch, his dinner or whatever, and he'll put that plate behind his back and he'll look at me with a big old cheesy smile and he'll say, he'll, 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 he'll reveal it to me and he'll say, Dad, happy plate! <laughs> it's really cute. But my question is, why does he want me to watch him? What is it that he wants to hear from me, his dad? He wants to hear from me, son, I'm proud of you. And I believe that every one of us are like a child in some regards. We all want to hear from our fathers, I see you. I know you, I'm proud of you, I love you. We all need affirmation, we need encouragement, we need to be accepted and we need to be acknowledged. And this morning, we all have that crave, that hunger that says, am I doing it right? Am I okay? Do you see me? Do you love me? We have three basic needs, and I'm going to share with you some basic needs. So uh, this is true of yourself, and this is true of your spouse. This is true of the people that you work with. This is true for every single person that you know. (laughs) And these three important truths that you need to know about yourself, and they are these, that all of us need to be needed. We need to be needed. See, I need you, and you need me. And I need you to be needed by me, and you need to be needed by me as well. Your spouse needs you, and you need your spouse. We all need to be needed. Secondly, we all need to be known. Like, do you see me? Am I okay? Am I good? Am I doing it right? And finally, we all have a need to be loved. We ask, do you love me? Will you be there for me? Do you love me unconditionally? And the reason why that today's message is so important and what I have been 
uh, just been keenly made aware of in my preparation uh, throughout this week and this message is that I want to remind you, I want to reveal to those of you in this place that are unaware is that you have a heavenly father in heaven and he sees you and he knows you and he loves you and he cares for you and he has great plans for your life and he wants you to know that he's proud of you. I want you to let God be the source of your need to be needed, your need to be known, and your need to be loved. And today, as we kick off this collection, my question for you is this. How do you see God? How do you see God? We all have a perception of God, don't we? That perception or that conception of God may be right or it may be wrong, but we all have a perception of God. I love where the, this theologian, his name is uh, A.W. Tozer, great man of God, he said this, we tend by secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. What he's saying is that we all have a mental picture of God. The question is, do you have the right mental picture of God? And the reality is the way that you perceive God will determine how you receive from God. Can I take it a little further? The way that you perceive God will determine how you reveal him to others. So today, I want you to consider this truth uh, from the text today, and it's this. Your perception of God directly impacts every relationship in your life. This is a foundational truth upon, all healthy, upon which all healthy relationships are built. The only way to go higher and to go greater and to do greater things and have greater health is to have a strong foundation the tallest buildings are the ones that have the deepest foundation. But see, here's the problem. A lot of us, we project our perceptions of God onto our heavenly Father based upon our experiences with our earthly Father. And even if you had a great earthly Father, those fathers were at the same time incomplete in their capacity to love you as your heavenly Father loves you, and to be who your heavenly Father wants to be in your life. And so this morning, maybe you had an experience of an earthly father that was an angry father, and you're projecting your perception of your, earth, of your heavenly Father on your experience with your, with your earthly father and that he was angry. And so if you experience an angry earthly father, you will want to stay away from your heavenly father. Or maybe you had a, an absent father. Maybe your father was absent, your earthly father was, and it seemed like he didn't have time for you. He was really inconsistent in your life. And so you think that God has no time or no consideration or no care for you as an individual. And so you don't receive from God because your perception of God is wrong. Or perhaps maybe you had an apathetic father. Maybe he was around, or maybe, maybe he just didn't simply involve himself in your life, and you look at God as detached, God the Father as detached and uninvolved. Or maybe you had an abusive father, 
If you had an abusive father, then you're going to perceive your heavenly father as responsible for, for all your pain and all your suffering. But I've come to bring good news to you today. You have a father in heaven that is personally, emotionally, and even sacrificially involved in every detail of your life. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's a healer. He's a savior. He's a present help at all times in your life. You matter to your heavenly father. I want you to receive that today because your perception of God directly impacts every relationship in your life. In order for you to have strong, healthy relationships, you've got to have a strong, healthy relationship with God. And so I want to provide some context into our text, some background into this particular passage uh, this morning. You see, the Apostle Paul is writing uh, in the section of the Bible called the New Testament. The Old Testament, 39 books of God's interaction uh, with his people, Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, throughout the, king, the prophets, the kings, and throughout history, God's covenant being revealed to his people, Israel. He revealed himself as a father in this context as it relates to creation. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 6 says that I have formed you. I, I am your father because I have created you. But when you come into the New Testament, we have a greater understanding of not just God as the father and the creator of the families of earth, but also as God the father personally through salvation that has been provided through his son, Jesus. And so now, the, John would say this, those who received him, to them he gave power to become the children of God. And so we see the references of the Father in the Old Testament versus the New Testament, and when we look at the New Testament in this passage in particular today, we see that the Father is a predominant way that we are to relate to God himself. Jesus, remember when he taught his disciples how to pray, he said, I want you to pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then he begins to go and lead his disciples into how to relate to God as by understanding him as a father. And he says this, he, he would go to, on to say, uh, I do nothing unless what I see the Father doing, or I won't say anything unless the Father has said it to me. Jesus would even say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the except through me. And Jesus would take time alone to be with his Father. And as you come into the New Testament, after Jesus has been crucified, he's been buried, and he's been victoriously resurrected from the grave, now he invites us into relationship with the Father through what he has done personally for us. And through faith in him, we now come into God's family in a new type of way. We can relate to him as our Father because of what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus has done, now we are children of God's family by, by way of being his sons and daughters. Romans 8, Romans 8 chapter, 5, uh, chapter 8, verse 15 tells us that uh, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. 
And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. This is how the early Christians understood their relationship with God the Father, just as we do today. And in this proper perception of God the Father, the Apostle Paul pins these words that we've just shared and read this morning. And this morning I want to share with you why you matter to your Heavenly Father. And first thing that I want to Uh, show you and reveal to you that you might have a proper understanding, a proper perception, a proper revelation of who your father is and how he relates to you is this, is that you matter to your heavenly father because you are chosen intentionally by your heavenly father. No, no, you weren't chosen randomly by your heavenly father. You weren't just chosen by chance or you didn't just stumble up into this. No, God saw you from the day that you were conceived and he wanted you to know him in personal relationship and he chose you intentionally. The apostle Paul would have a great understanding of what he's saying here. He said, for so for this reason... I kneel humbly in all before the Father of our Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 9, verse 15, he is recounting the story of the Apostle Paul's conversion. And it says this, The Lord said to Ananias, Go to where Paul is, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Listen, this is the mystery of God that the Apostle Paul is talking about when he says, so for this reason, what you need to know is Ephesians chapter 1 up until that point 2 and 3, he's talking about the mystery of the gospel. What is the mystery of the gospel that God has reconciled a people who were far from him and he's brought them close to him. He's made his enemies his friends. That's why I could say in Romans chapter, um, chapter 6 that while we were in sin, Jesus Christ died for us. That while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And this is the mystery of the gospel of the grace of God, that God reached down and took a people that were known as the Gentiles. You and I, if we're not Jews, then we are Gentiles. We are separated from God. We are outside of the covenant that God made with Israel. And now this mystery has been communicated to the apostles and now to us that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond or slave, male nor female, but all are one in Christ Jesus our Lord because of the grace of God that he gave us in dying for our sins and reconciling us to himself. This is the good news of the gospel. And he has chosen us intentionally to have a relationship with our heavenly father and placed us into his family as his children by faith. The reality is that you are chosen But the problem is your perception oftentimes is that your feelings of inferiority inform your perception of reality. Your feelings dictate oftentimes whether you feel like that you are in relationship with God or whether you are chosen intentionally with God. And so if I feel like God loves me, that God cares about me, if I feel like God is near, if I sense him close, then I'm telling myself God cares about me. He's seen. He he knows what my needs are. He knows uh, the plans that he has for my life, and I am in favor with God. But the reality is that you are chosen intentionally by your heavenly Father in spite of your feelings of inferiority. The reality is that you are chosen by God. 
How many of you have ever been the last one picked for a sports team in school? Yeah. So I took this kind of personally when I was growing up because I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia in an urban environment and you always had something to prove when you were in sports there. And um, in my ninth grade uh, year, in my first year in high school, um, we were in gym class and we were picking teams to play football and all the guys were there and they're picking people. And like, you know, when you go to high school, you transfer from another school and then you go to a new school. So like, I, I was like from a school that, that nobody really, that, they didn't really know me or anything like that. Because if they'd have known, they'd have known, get that kid the ball. Come on, somebody know. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't that, ble- I wasn't that, like, that athletic, but I could, I could play, I could, like, I could hang, and so, like, at the end of picking, I was, like, the last one picked. I, to- I felt, like, total rejection in that moment, but as we went through that gym class, I, get, I got a name at the end of that gym class. You know what they started calling me? Sticky Fingers. Sticky Fingers. <laughs> they started calling me Sticky Fingers, because I'd catch some touchdowns, and um, it feels bad to be rejected, but how many of you know that the next day that I showed up and we went to play football, I got chosen. I wasn't the last person picked, and you know what that did for me? Although I might have had a chip on my shoulder to prove myself up until that point, now I am extra motivated, and I'm inspired, and I want to prove myself because I've been chosen. How much more should you and I be motivated, be inspired, be encouraged to live our lives and to give everything that we have to the Lord Jesus Christ with the reality and the understanding that I am chosen intentionally by my heavenly Father? We all have a need to be needed, and the reality is I matter to God because I'm chosen intentionally by my heavenly Father. Your perception of being chosen is going to directly impact every relationship in your life. Because if you don't feel like you're chosen of God, you're going to have feelings of inferiority, of insecurity. You're going to have feelings that fluctuate, but we don't walk by faith. We walk by sight. We walk by based upon the promises of God's word. And if he says that we are chosen, if he says that we are called, if he says that we have a future and a purpose, we need to stand on the word of God and declare it to ourselves and believe it and to receive it and to live it out. We are intentionally chosen by our heavenly father. But not only that, We also matter to our Heavenly Father because we are known fully by our Heavenly Father. That's my second point. You're known fully by your Heavenly Father. Here's what I love. For this reason, Paul says, I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and every child in heaven and on earth. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is that he is my Father through faith in Jesus Not only is he a father, the father, but he's my father. He's saying, I have a personal interaction, a personal relationship with him. Not only do I know about this father, not just I have an intellectual understanding of him, but I know him intimately and I know him perfectly. Accepting that you're known fully by the father, God, is both a comfort and a conviction, though. Have you ever noticed that? It's very comforting. 
but it's also incredibly convicting. And where you stand based upon those two realities is dependent upon what your relationship with him is. See, it's very convicting if I'm outside of a relationship with Jesus. If I'm trying to carry uh, my life and my own strength and my own power, if I'm trying to live by according to my righteousness, then I'm going to try to please God in my own strength, my own ability, and through my own power. But if I have a revelation and understanding of the grace of God and I know that my Heavenly Father knows me fully and that I know Him I'm in relationship with him. It brings me great comfort. The Pur one Puritan author called being known by God the full and final comfort of a believer. It brings us conviction when our character is not in alignment with our confession, but it also brings us great comfort when we know that God has chosen us, he knows us fully, and we fully know him. You see, religion, the Apostle Paul would tell you, he's, remember, he's the one that's writing this passage, and he knows all about what, it, what it's all about to know about God, but to not know him personally. To know God fully is to understand that religion is not a substitute for a relationship with God. The Apostle Paul was the most religious man of that day. He knew everything about God. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was trained in the school. He knew the right theology, the dispensation. He knew all about God, but he was empty and he was void of a relationship with God. And he didn't know whether he knew God fully. I read this story recently about this woman, and she was in a hurry to get somewhere women drivers. So she's driving, forgive me ladies, I love y'all, but she's driving and she's tailgating this guy. Like he's driving down there, she's tailgating. They come to an intersection and the light turns yellow and he slams on the brake because he doesn't want to run the light. He looks in the rear view mirror and this lady's going nuts. She's honking the horn, she's yelling, she's cursing, she's throwing him the you're number one sign, come on. As she's doing that, she hears a knock on the window. She turns, and outside of her window is a police officer. He says, ma'am, can you put down your window? She says, yes, sir, officer. He says, ma'am, can you step out of the car? Steps out of the car, puts her in the police car, takes her down to the police station, has her searched, has her fingerprinted, puts her in a jail cell couple hours go by. Finally, the arresting officer says to her, uh, ma'am, you can come out here, your personal belongings. I want to apologize to you because a mistake was made. You see, when I pulled up behind you and I saw you ranting and raving and throwing a fit and cussing and honking the horn, and then I looked at the back of your car and I saw your Christian fish emblem. I saw your honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker. I saw in your side mirror or your side window, uh, take me to sun, uh, follow me to Sunday school, and I saw your license plate cover that says I am pro life. I just figured I realized that somebody must have stolen your car. <laughs> the reality is this: God cannot bless who you pretend to be. You are known fully by your heavenly Father when you are in relationship with your heavenly Father. 
And to know your heavenly Father is to live a life in which you make the heavenly Father known. You see, you matter because you're known fully by your heavenly Father. To know, to know the Father fully, it means exchanging my old ways of living life, my old religion, my old, old ways of doing things in my own ability and my strength, and exchanging it for my new identity of who Jesus says that I am. So the responsibility is on us, not just to, to, for God to know us, but for us also to know God. You matter because you're chosen intentionally by your heavenly Father. You matter because you're known fully by your heavenly Father. And finally, you matter to your heavenly Father because you're loved unconditionally by your heavenly Father. Somebody come play. Here's what I love. Even though Jesus knows me fully, he still loves me unconditionally. Ha <laughs> ha! I'm gonna go ahead and praise God right there for you, for myself. You see, God's love is, is, is an agape love. This is the Greek word that means unconditional, no strings attached. It's the God kind of love, and it expresses itself unconditionally. It pursues us faithfully, and it values us continually. God's love is an attribute of his. It's a, what's known as a communicable attribute of God in theology. It's something that we somewhat understand, but we cannot fully understand. You see, you might have had somebody that said they loved you, that treated you wrong, that gave up on you, that didn't love you unconditionally. And your perception of that person's betrayal of you has caused you to see God in a certain way, and so that's convinced you that you cannot receive from God, and you cannot reveal Him to others because He can't be trusted. But this God that we serve loves us unconditionally. And it's a, most apparently, his love is most apparently demonstrated by sending his son Jesus that we might be brought into right relationship with the Father. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says this, God is love. The Gospel of John chapter 3 and verse 16, you know this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. This is the nature and the attribute and the character of a God who loves is that he gives himself. He gives of himself sacrificially because he wants us to know him and to be brought in relationship with him. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, I quoted it earlier. Jesus demonstrated, Christ demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus or Christ died for us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, I love this. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment, is what that word means, for our sins. So you might think that you've done too many bad things to be loved by Jesus. But just as Paul discovered, God's grace and love is greater than your sins. The problem in our perception is that we have a difficult time accepting unconditional love because we don't view God as he is. We don't perceive him as he is, but we perceive him as we are. The reality is God's love is unconditional. I love my children unconditionally. 
I really love them with all of my heart. But even then, that understanding of the love that you have for a child is an incomplete understanding of the love of God. You see, I love my children and there's nothing they can do to make me love them more or to love them less. I love them with all my heart, with an unconditional love. And the reality today is that God loves us even more than we could fully understand. And that's why I love where the Apostle Paul says this right here. When he begins to pray for us, inspired by his spirit, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell or make his home in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, come on, on account of what Jesus did for you and making his home, your, his, your heart his home, that you would be rooted and established in love. You may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. To know the love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I was reading uh, this story recently about a pitcher um, quite a few years ago that came into the major leagues. He was a phenom. He was, what they said about him in Sports Illustrated was he was a surefire Hall of Famer. His name was Rick Ankeel, and he played for the St. Louis Cardinals. And um, he had a stellar um, career in the minor leagues. And he broke all the records he broke Doc Gooden's, actually, record of uh, hitless innings. Um, and he played two years in the minor leagues, prepare him for this jump to the major leagues. And he found himself pitching against the powerhouse team of that day in the division series. They were playing the Atlanta Braves. And if you remember from that time, the Atlanta Braves they had Chipper Jones, uh, Andrew Young, uh, and they had uh, Tom Glavin, they had John Smoltz, man, they, their team was stacked. And that day, in that first game of that series, he's going to be pitching against a pitcher, a future Hall of Famer named John, uh, Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox uh, had control over the strike zone, and, and whatever he wanted to do, uh, he could make the ball do to get into the strike zone. And so on that uh, day of the game, um, Rick Ankiel is pitching, warming up, and he goes to the mound to take that first pitch, and that first pitch he throws goes way over the catcher's head. Gets up there. Second pitch, again. Just a little bit outside, <laughs> as the movie says. So he's throwing all over the place. He's wild. And the coach, uh, the manager, um, Tony LaRusso said, hey, we got to pull him out of here. And so after two innings, they pulled him from the ball game. And uh, he would say later on after that game, he said, yeah, I think it was just the nerves that got to me, the pressure of this game, and you know, it's a big game and just got uh, the best of me. Well, two months went by, and uh, he still could not find the strike zone. He had what was known in major league clubhouses as the yips. And the yips are when you can't find the strike zone, and it's almost like one of those things where you don't even want to acknowledge, you don't want to say it. Uh, the reality is that your mind can dictate what your physical body is able to perform. 
And so he had gotten the yips, and they, uh, the, the team had tried to get him in counseling. They, they, they had him see a shrink. They checked his mechanics, uh, you know, the way he was pitching the ball and throwing, and uh, they still couldn't figure it out. And after a couple years, he went into his manager's office, and he said, uh, Coach, he said, I, I quit. I can't do this anymore. Just so completely deflated and just overwhelmed and just so frustrated, he just quit altogether. Well, it came to find out that um, what had happened was right before, uh, he wrote in his autobiography, right before uh, this game, two days before this game, he had went to his father's court hearing. So he had an abusive, alcoholic father, a father who told him that he would never amount to anything. And he went and he sat in that courtroom as his father was under arrest for using and dealing drugs. And he said, later on in his autobiography, he said, uh, those suppressed emotions uh, that he had stuffed all those years that he had tried to overcome, that he had not dealt with, began to come out. And as a result, these suppressed emotions, they were undealt with, and they eventually derailed his destiny. You see, he was supposed to be a Hall of Fame pitcher, and he never did fulfill the destiny that he could have really fulfilled, the calling that was on his life. In his autobiography, he said, if my heart and head would have been right, I had the potential to be a player of destiny. See, the same thing is true with us today. Our perception of God directly impacts every relationship and the destiny of God over our life. But when God begins to bring change to you, and you accept that you matter because you're chosen intentionally, and you accept that you matter because you're known fully, and if you'll accept the reality that you matter to God because you are loved unconditionally by your Heavenly Father, you find that your earthly father and their inadequacies and the things that they always, that you always wanted to hear from them and that you wanted to sense from them, you see me. I'm proud of you. I love you. I care about you. You'll see that the love that the Father has for us is not an imperfect. It's not an incomplete. It's not a broken type of love. But the scripture says in, in verse 16 or verse 15, Paul's praying that the perfect Father of every father and child on heaven and earth would reveal to you and make known to you his incredible love for you. All across this room today, if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to conclude this message today by just giving you an invitation from the heart of the Father himself. The heart of the Father has always been to demonstrate his love to you that in spite of where you are, in spite of what's been told, in spite of the, what you didn't receive, in spite of the brokenness that you've experienced, in spite of the way that that is perpetuating and um, demonstrating itself in the life of, in, of your family, and the brokenness that you've experienced, and now, as a result, you have carried on that dysfunction, that brokenness. 
The Father wants you to know today that today is a day of new beginnings. The Apostle Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ, the old man is gone and the new one has come. Behold, I make all things new. Do you need a new beginning today? Maybe your perception of God has been broken. It's been limited. It's been, it's been incorrect. But today, as you've received the reality that you're chosen, that you're known, and that you're loved by God, today's the day for you to ask God to come into your heart and your life brand new, for some of you to recommit yourself to receive the love of the perfect Father, the Father that will never disappoint you, that will never let you down, that will never leave you or forsake you, the one that will be there to pick you up when you fall down, the one that will tell you, I see you, I'm proud of you, I love you, and I've got a great plan for your life. So maybe that's you in this place today. I just want to pray for you as you're making a commitment to allow Jesus to come into your heart, to make his home in your heart that you would be rooted and established in love and that your relationships would begin to heal, that you would begin to receive healing and that your relationships that the, with those that you love would begin to heal. Truly, our perception of God directly impacts every relationship in our life. Today is a day to rid yourself of the projections that you've put on God and to receive his perfect love, the love of a father that gave himself for you in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Today, Lord, in person and online here, I just want to pray for my friends that as they're making commitments to you, Lord, that they would recommit themselves to you. And that means, Lord, that they would repent of their sins, that they would turn away from the life that they've been living, turn away from their brokenness, and turn to you and receive salvation and healing and wholeness. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness that we know only in Jesus. God, you love the world so much that you send your only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. You said that you're the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through you. So, Jesus, we come into relationship with the Father today because of what you've done. We receive it. We receive forgiveness. We receive eternal life. We receive a relationship with you. We're going to build our life upon you. We're going to allow you to lead us and be the Lord of our life. We commit ourselves or recommit ourselves to you, to live for you, to love you, to worship you, to serve you. From this day forward, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you receive something from the Lord today, give my hand clap of praise. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.